George Floyd died a year ago today. We all saw that video, and it was awful. Ever since, what have we seen? Violence in communities of color and exploitation of those very same communities. Now today, right in that spot where George Floyd died, uh, we saw the aftermath, the uh, kind of the logical result of all of the bad-mouthing of cops and delegitimizing of them for one solid year. This bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be... Uh, to, just got to be careful here with some gunshots. Excuse us, excuse us. It sounds like gunshots. I'll let you know what this is. These seem to be gunfire. Makes total sense. Gunfire. Every city has it. A lot more of it. Thanks to this movement, which again delegitimized law enforcement for half the country. What else have we seen? Ridiculous looting that has nothing to do with George Floyd, nothing to do with criminal justice, setting things on fire, stealing from stores. This is insanity, and this is our country right now. Lots of violence affecting poor people and political exploitation by people who are rich. Nancy Pelosi, I'll never forget when she took a knee with that African scarf on, those others as well, Chuck Schumer back there. This is exploitation of the highest order. Oh, and <laughs> Joe Biden was certainly in on it. Joe Biden, he was made by George Floyd, made by COVID and George Floyd. Every time he turned around, he exploited this moment. He pandered, he was shameless. And I never had to tell my daughter, if she's pulled over, make sure she puts for a traffic stop, put both hands on top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child when you're walking down the street, don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street, making sure that you, in fact, if you get pulled over, just yes, sir, no, sir, hands on top of the wheel. Look at the intensity as he spews this propaganda. Hey, guess what, Joe? Everybody should comply with the cops. Everybody should do that. Everybody's heart races when they're pulled over. Everybody. Unfortunately, the message from you guys has been not to cooperate, not to not resist arrest. That could have saved lives. So George Floyd, by the way, has been deified in all of this. And, well, he wasn't a nice guy. There were problems, right? He spent a lot of time in jail. But that didn't stop George uh, Floyd from being deified, again, by Democrats all over the place, especially Joe Biden. I also spoke to Gianna, George loves George's young daughter again. When I met her last year, I've said this before, at George's funeral, I told her how brave I thought she was. And I sort of knelt down to hold her hand. I said, Daddy's looking down on you. He's so proud. He said to me then, I'll never forget it, Daddy changed the world. And I told her this afternoon, Daddy did change the world. Political exploitation, pandering, like, <laughs> that's at its highest. That's at its, or lowest, or lowest. And the media, let's face it, they've been despicable, despicable throughout all of this. This might have been the worst moment in, there's so many to pick from, but this is a doozy. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. 
<laughs> the hypocrisy, the uh, dishonesty, all of it. I mean, wow. Fortunately, though, we have some iconic truth tellers who can see right through this nonsense and tell the truth in the most compelling and brave way. Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, nation, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community has offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrat preview. And George Floyd was the vehicle for that. Uh, that's how they did all those things, through George Floyd, through him. It's going to be somebody, and it was George Floyd. All right, folks, now this. Black lives do matter, but not the way the Black Lives Matter organization or movement seem to think. When they only care, when if a black life is taken by a white cop. No, all black lives matter. All lives matter, including nine-year-old Trinity Addison Smith, shot on May 15th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She survived, and now she's in critical condition. Every day, every day, every day we wake up, it starts over again. The pain... The hurt starts over and over again. We're going to stand together for as long as it takes. Trinity was jumping on a trampoline at a birthday party in the city's Jordan neighborhood when someone drove by and opened fire. She is one of three children under the age of 11 shot in Minneapolis in less than three weeks. Ten-year-old Ladavion Garrett and six-year-old Anya Allen both killed we featured both of them last week. A GoFundMe page has been set up for Trinity. No arrests in any of the three shootings. Also a $10,000 reward for information uh, on each of these three shootings would be very much appreciated. Nine-year-old Trinity Addison Smith, still in the hospital in critical condition. We're praying for you. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> All right, fake news. We heard today that uh, Joe Biden will be meeting with Vladimir Putin next month in Europe. Uh, and they're pretending that uh, Joe Biden has a fighting chance. And you know what? I hope he does. But let's face it, he's outmatched. Vladimir Putin has been around for a long time. He sees at this point presidents come and go all the way back to Bill Clinton and now Joe Biden. You think Joe Biden can hold his own against Vladimir Putin? I'm not so sure. OK, um, hang on. Uh, sorry. You uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. You know it. At this point, we all do. Fake news does not acknowledge it, but he's foggy and weird and out of it. And he's already making concessions even before the big meeting. This hasn't received a lot of coverage, but you know there's a big pipeline between uh, 
Russia and Germany. Now, we don't like it. Uh, we had taken steps to uh, prevent this thing, uh, but it's happening, even though the administration at one point was talking a big game about not letting it go forward. President Biden's been very clear for a long time that he thinks the pipeline is a bad deal uh, and a bad idea. It undermines uh, European energy security. And well, anyway, they rethought that real quick, and that pipeline is going forward. And it's an A-OK -okay from the Biden administration. Yep, Russia won, America zero, and China, wow, they scored a lot of points in that humiliating meeting we had. Did you see this? China owned the United States. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. But we actually have amateurs at the top. They pretend that they're pros and, uh, you know, these are the ones who know what they're doing. They don't, especially when it comes to negotiation. Now, the fake news, they dismissed this about Donald Trump, that he was an actual negotiator, but he was, and we all know that. The art of the deal represents real knowledge, real insight into the art of negotiation. He has so much talent, it's too bad they wouldn't recognize that. He takes the risks, he gets the rewards. He talked in hyperbolic terms, spectacular, wonderful, the best, the greatest. He was a born salesman. Tremendous demand all throughout the country. The new hotel, which is going to be spectacular, something that New York has never seen with elevators on the outside and atriums and the largest ballroom in the city. We feel all of these are going to combine with really potentially the best area in New York City and probably New York City's most important area, the Grand Central Area. All of this is going to combine to make probably the most successful hotel in the country, we feel. Okay, when does the new hotel open? About two and a half years, the total project, yes. Thanks, Tom. thank you very much. At one point, it was Donald Trump versus almost all of city government, and he made it happen. Back then, he was trying to get a hotel renovated. Hey, you try it. This was a remarkable accomplishment. Look at that old dilapidated hotel on the left, the Commodore. It became the Hyatt. Donald Trump made that happen, and that's extremely hard to do. You think that translates to foreign affairs? Yes, it does. Look at Joe Biden take a whack at this kind of stuff. What I did, I spent close to 100 hours with the leaders of those three countries and the UN, making sure that what we would do, for example, in one of the major cities down there, they said the crime rate's terrible. That's why people are leaving this particular city. But we have no street lighting. And the government said, give us the money. We put the, I said, I'm not going to give you the money, but I'll tell you what, show me what you need. I'll get contractors down there. We'll put in the street lights for you because a lot of corruption down there. And guess what? Violence came down. A lot of corruption down there. I'd like to know a few more things about those contracts. What does Joe Biden know about installing lights? Nothing, 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 nothing. He knows about smiling and about telling people what they want to hear and asking for money. 90% of the time, these politicians are asking for money. And guess what? You can't negotiate when you're doing that. You can't. It's illegal. You can't say, I'm going to do this for that. I mean, sometimes they do, but you're not supposed to, and they really don't do it. So I'm not impressed with Joe Biden, but I am impressed with Donald Trump. And here's why they came after him. Here's what undid President Trump. They didn't undo him, but this is what put the swamp on notice more than anything. His inaugural address on January 20th of 2017. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital 
has reaped the rewards of government, while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now. So that's beautiful. <laughs> that's music to my ears, probably yours as well. The swamp was horrified. Here's a lead reporter for uh, the White House Correspondents Association at the time, Jonathan Carl. Now, while we were hearing this, this is what he was thinking. Those words were a direct affront to the human beings on the inaugural platform. The congressional leaders, the former presidents and former vice presidents seated right there with him. They had come to celebrate American democracy and the peaceful transfer of power and ended up getting a verbal kick in the teeth from Donald Trump in his very first act as president of the United States. Hmm? Doing work for us, working for us and not the swamp. That was a verbal kick in the teeth? I guess it was, and they deserved it. I'll be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. We are pleased once again to have Senator Rand Paul, Republican of Kentucky, back with us on the show. Senator, thank you again. How are you? Thanks for having me, Greg. Let's talk again. You've been targeted. I'm sorry this keeps happening to you. People are giving you a hard time, whether it's a neighbor or now a weird package in the mail with some white powder and a pretty threatening message. Let's put it up on the screen. A uh, picture of you with your previous injuries. I'll finish what your neighbor started you. Blank, 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 blank. Not nice. Sorry you're going <laughs> through this, sir. Um, have they found out who sent this? You know, they're investigating. The good news is that it wasn't anthrax or it wasn't a poison. But you still got to wonder, you know, what's going on in the world when we can't have a rational, reasonable discussion about COVID immunity, whether or not people who have already had the disease should take a vaccine. It's really a public policy question of some great importance. Think about it. In India, they don't have enough vaccine right now. Should they be vaccinating people who already have the disease or trying to conserve the vaccine for people who haven't? That's a pretty big foreign policy or public policy sort of decision. But you think that we wouldn't have death threats simply because I have an opinion. There's a great deal of evidence. You know, there's a study out of Israel showing that those who have not been vaccinated but have the disease like myself actually have about the same immunity uh, as people who have been vaccinated. This isn't an argument for getting the disease. So we have idiots all over the Internet saying, you want people to get sick. No, I don't. But 100 million people in our country got sick, whether we wanted them to or not, including myself. We should just acknowledge that 
vaccine immunity is based on natural immunity. The fact that you get immunity after a disease, that's how vaccines work. But it shouldn't be a political or a partisan thing, and people shouldn't want to kill me or my family because I have an opinion. You have an opinion and you have expertise. You are a physician, a medical doctor, and I think you bring a lot to the table. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I guess they feel threatened by you. And of course, your skirmishes with uh, Dr. Fauci go way back now. Here's a portion. Can I finish? We're having one one seven that's becoming more dominant. Policy based on conjecture. No, you have the. It isn't based on conjecture. So you some you want people to wear a mask for another couple years. No, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask to have been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science no. to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they can quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. Okay. You want people to get the vaccine? <laughs> Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, you've uh, you've called them out. and uh, But my question for you is, has Dr. Fauci overall damaged public health? Yeah, I think there's been a great deal of it because he hasn't been honest with us. So when people sense that you're not honest, they won't listen to your advice, even when it might be good advice. So, look, I do agree with most public health experts that people who are at high risk over 65 definitely should be vaccinated, that the the problems with the disease itself are much greater than any potential problems from a vaccine if you're over 65. Really, if you're over 40 and overweight, I think the the benefits of the vaccine greatly outweigh any risks. But the thing is, is when he gets on there and says, oh, you have to wear a mask after you've been vaccinated, he's denying the science of vaccines. And so he makes people think, well, what else is he being dishonest with me if he's telling me I need to wear a mask after I'm vaccinated? Now, recently he's reversed himself and he said he was only wearing the mask because he thought people might see him not wearing the mask. I guess implying that he knew there was no science behind wearing the mask, but it was for theater. But he's been there even on the mask from the very beginning. You remember he said no masks work. And then a couple of weeks later, he said all masks work. Really, both of those are lies. There are a few masks that do work. The N95 mask works, the cloth masks don't. So it was untrue that no mask work, but it was also untrue that all masks work because really the cloth masks don't work. And it would be bad if you were an elderly person at high risk or if your wife had COVID and you're 80 years old and you're taking care of her at home because that's all you can do. To wear a cloth mask would be a great disservice to that person. No doctor in America goes in a COVID patient's room with a cloth mask. So it was really a disservice that he lied to us. And people are losing confidence in him and the government because it's one lie after another. Now, on his side of the equation, he would say that these are noble lies. This is what Plato talked about, that he's lying to us for our own good because we're not smart enough to make decisions. But really, in the end, I think those are not good for the government or public confidence. Cloth masks, by the way, those are those cheap, thin ones we see all the time. And the, the M95 ones, are they're kind of like the... The white ones, it looks almost like a beak, and it's far more uh, substantial. Hey, now that a public opinion, or I should say science, seems to be accepting that this thing came from a lab in China. See, it turns out Donald Trump was right very early on when he was voicing those suspicions. How does this change the game? Uh, what does this mean uh, for our relations with China, and what happens next? 
an amazing reversal. You know, six months ago, nine months ago, Newsmax, other channels, they were the left was saying, it's all conspiracy, you're all crazy, you're all nuts. There's no truth to it. Today on MSNBC, they were running stories on MSNBC, talking about the possibility that this came from a lab. Two weeks ago, 20 virologists, probably none of them are Republicans, wrote a letter saying we have to at least consider the possibility of this. Some of the biggest circumstantial evidence, they've found no animal host. So typically there's been an intermediate animal host. They find something that people eat or come in contact with that carries this disease. They tested thousands of animals at the wet market, all these exotic animals, no animal tested positive for COVID. They tried to take COVID that's been causing this pandemic and infect bats with it. Bats didn't accept it. The yeah. extraordinary thing about this virus is it seems to be most comfortable and most transmissible in humans. But originally, some variant of this was thought to come from bats. How did it become so transmissible in humans with no intermediate host and it no longer infects bats well? Mm -hmm. This makes us very suspicious that this came out of the lab, not proof, but suspicion. And then we get the news this week that three virus workers from the Wuhan Virology Institute were in the hospital with COVID system symptoms in November. Boy, talk about alarm bells going off. But the good news is it's not just those of us who are conservative or who believe in limited government being called conspiracy theorists. Now everybody's looking into it. So my guess is we might have a chance of finding the truth now that we don't at least have half the people in the country trying to cover up the truth. 10 seconds, if you don't mind. You ran for president in 2016. Uh, have you made any decisions? Do you have any thoughts about 2024? You. No decisions. I will run for re-election for the Senate uh, in 2022, and then we'll see what happens after that. All right. Senator Rand Paul, Republican of Kentucky. Thanks again, sir. Stinchfield is standing by. Hi there, uh, Grant. What's going on? I'm so proud of the work you've done, Greg, and it really uh, proud of the work that we've done on Stinchfield about calling the possibility out that this could have been from a lab for months and months now. And we were called names and conspiracy theorists. Uh, now, We've got liberal states, Greg, at a time where I believe China is at war with the United States, working with China on economic development all the way down to the city level. This is a, a real push that China is making to make an end run around the federal government and get these cities and states on the dole for Chinese money. It's dangerous, and we're going to talk about it tonight on the show. Wow, Chinese money, cities on the Wow. All right, Grant, it sounds very interesting. Good stuff. Proud of you, too. We'll be right back. Information. Truth is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. This bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be. Uh, to, just got to be careful here with some gunshots. Excuse us, excuse us. It sounds like gunshots. I'll let you know what this is. Pretty wild, huh? Right where George Floyd died one year ago today, gunfire. And it makes sense because, uh, well, it's been a year of lawlessness encouraged by Black Lives Matter and the media 
and the far left. And yeah, Joe Biden. I'd like to bring in our panel. We got Harrison Floyd, former executive director of Black Voices for Trump. Welcome back. And Bernie Carrick, of course, the former New York City police commissioner and Newsmax contributor. Uh, welcome to you both. That's the way I see it. A year of exploitation and uh, violence. Harrison Floyd, your thoughts on this one year anniversary. Well, uh, you hit the nail on the head, and thanks for having me back again, Greg. It's uh, great to see you, sir. Uh, it's been a year of lawlessness, and uh, I mean, that just really goes to show the type of neighborhood that uh, Officer Chauvin was in when he was dealing with George Floyd. Their level of senses are heightened, heightened level of awareness, and so it's really uh, unfortunate that these types of things keep occurring in uh, black communities. Uh, Commissioner, what are you thinking? I, I can't believe just how unproductive and backwards uh, it seems like we've gone back 10, 20 years in one year. Hey, here's what I'm thinking right off the bat as I watched that video. You know what you didn't hear? You didn't hear sirens. You didn't hear police cars coming. You didn't hear police radios. And they have police officers assigned to that square. Um, you didn't see any police response. And basically, that's because, one, they've defunded, and two, the cops are scared to death to do their job. But here's, here's one other thing I'd like to touch on, Greg, real quick, and that is there was a George Floyd protest today in Union Square, and they were screaming and yelling about more defunding of the New York City police, and they want to take that money and put it into housing, health, and education. Here's the bottom line. Health, uh, health housing, and education is never going to get better if you don't have a society that's safe and secure because nobody wants to live, visit, work, or go to school in a place where they're not safe and where mothers have to put their babies to bed in bathtubs to protect them from violence. And that's what's going on as a result of defunding. It's amazing. By the way, the Floyd family in Washington, D.C., I think they've been totally exploited, although, quite frankly, financially, they've made out very well. They got a $27 million settlement before the trial uh, was resolved. A lot of people had a problem with that. There's Nancy Pelosi uh, with uh, the extended Floyd family. Uh, Joe Biden considers himself a close family friend at this point. S to me, it seems like pandering of the first order. Um, Harrison, I don't know, but I, I just find there the, the exploitation is how I see it of these people um, really pathetic. They are being exploited. Uh, black Lives Matter hasn't done anything for the black community. They received a whole bunch of money, wasted it. Joe Biden hasn't uh, spoken to Black Lives Matter. It's incredibly unfortunate. And by the way, no relation. Um, but an another thing that uh, Bernie hit on, another thing you're not hearing about is solutions to what's going on. Uh, Greg, I think you know from being in the military like me, one thing I would like to see is maybe a uniform code, uh, something similar to the UCMJ. I think that might might help, you know, but uh, you don't hear anything from Black Lives Matter about tangible solutions. It's just ridiculous stuff like defunding the police. Who are you going to call it? Ghostbusters? They're going to go work. And there's, this is, um, they don't seem to care. Black Lives Matter, the organization and the movement about Black Lives uh, Commissioner, unless that black life is taken by a white cop. And that's, yeah, well, hey, Greg, yeah. this is and, and I think nobody would know this and understand it better than better than your father, because he was actually on the job in the 70s, 80s, uh, going into the 90s. The Black Lives Matter organization is a continuation of the Black Liberation Army in the, in the Black Panther Party. They were inspired 
by the queen of the BLA, uh, Asada Shakur or Joanne Chesimard. Their treasurer is Susan Rosenberg. The bottom line is they're not, they, they have nothing, they have no care for black communities. Those tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that have gone to Black Lives Matter, not one dime has gone into any community for black lives in those communities. Um, and in the meantime, we have black lives being slaughtered in areas like Chicago, Baltimore, Atlanta, you know, all these Democrat-run cities, um, you know, on a daily basis, and nobody's doing nothing about it. Well, I wish that Barack Obama, and I have my differences with Barack Obama, but he has status, he has power, he has money, he has time, he could roll up his sleeves and change the conversation like nobody could but he doesn't want to go there. You know, one point, Harrison, back in 2008, he spoke very candidly about the status of the black family in America and how too many fathers were MIA. And AWOL is how he put it back in 2008. That's a conversation that he only dabbled in. And certainly that problem hasn't been fixed. I wonder if there's any getting to this guy. I wish there was. I don't think there is. But he could change he could change this country still in a big way if he wanted to he could have done it when he was president of the united states for eight years and he didn't because you know why he really doesn't care greg i'll say it no one else wants to say it barack obama doesn't care about black people because if he did in chicago where you see some of the highest uh gun violence and crimes against black folks he would have done something about it same thing in atlanta and the other places that bernie mentioned he doesn't care. He just wanted to be president and do whatever it is that he wanted to do, advance the LGBT community, communist, Marxist ideology. It, it's, it's disgusting. But this is America, and we're going to get it right. Yeah, he turned it on when he had to, when he was trying to win us over during the campaign. And then, uh, no, I think you're right. I think he just wanted to be president. Well, uh, we thank you, gentlemen, both. Predictions for the future. Bernie Carrick, it's been a rough year. You sense that there's going to be a, a pivot that even liberals are uncomfortable with a society such as this. Well, listen, uh, Greg, I, I predicted last year around this time when they started defunding, there'll come a time when things will start to implode and those liberals, those city council members, those mayors, they're going to have to refund. They're going to have to call back the cops because the communities aren't going to stand for it. And that's what we're seeing right now. Bernie Carrick, Harrison Floyd, thank you both to be continued, and we'll be right back. Take a look at this. Pretty strong numbers for former President Trump. Want Donald Trump to run again? Republican primary voters by a margin of 73% say yes. This poll is from John McLaughlin of McLaughlin & Associates, he did the polling for President Trump in 2016 and 2020. Thanks for being here. We're also joined by Congressman Devin Nunez, Republican of California. Welcome, gentlemen. First, John McLaughlin, you crunched these numbers. You came up with them. You did the polling. 73%. You know, I thought it might even be higher than that, but that's pretty good. But boy, that's a tough question because you're saying, do you want him to run again? And that's, and, and that's the highest we've had him ever. In the same poll, they said they would support him 82 to 13 if he were to run again. And with conservatives, it's 86 percent. So his base is rock solid. And by the way, the longer he's out of office and the more that Joe Biden continues to, 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 to run us down, the better it gets. 
And by the way, in the same poll, 64 percent don't think Cam they think Biden won't serve his term. They think Kamala Harris will be president and Trump beats her 49 to 45. So uh, he's looking very strong right now. Trump beats Kamala Harris 49 to 45. Yes. And All he right. beats her in the suburbs. He beats her among independent voters and he gets uh, 39 percent of the Hispanics, 17 percent of the blacks. So she needs to get to the border really fast to do her job. All right. Congressman Nunes, what do you think of these numbers? Well, what's surprising to me is these are higher numbers than Donald Trump ever had in the 2016 primary. So he clearly has the lead. You know, in my discussions with him, he said his priority is to ensure that we win the House and get the Senate back. And I know he's working hard uh, doing that every day. So, you know, in, in politics, as John McLaughlin knows, uh, you know, there's it's a long time to 2024. And I think the key will be for us to field really solid candidates across the board and drive home election victories. And then if that happens, I think Donald Trump would be well positioned to run in 2024. Let's put up the Ipsos Reuters poll. 56% of Republicans believe the election in 2020 was tainted. 56 of Republicans uh, believe it was tainted. I have grave concerns about the fairness of the, the election. Uh, Congressman, first to you on this. Well, I would say one thing. How about how many Democrats believe that the Russians and Putin <laughs> stole the election for Trump in 2016, which was a hoax? As it relates to tainted, I mean, it's, it's a very strange word to poll on, but I think it's hard to say that it wasn't tainted. And I think what we really need to get our hands around is what's happening now, the reason that we wanted paper ballots. We spent a, a year, House Intelligence Committee Republicans did, in this whole Russia hoax investigation. One of the things we said is, look, we need to have paper ballots. Well, now that we have paper ballots, then we ought to be able to go in and do recounts. I think that's problematic. Also, yeah. the states need to go in and ensure that there's election integrity. And finally, I would say we still don't have an accounting of for the $350 million that Facebook spent. And we understand that it might have been as much as $500 million. We still don't have an accounting for that. And that money went in to support supposed nonprofits that in one case in Green Bay, the keys to the election office were given over to somebody. That, that's what they mean by tainted. So it, it ought to be a hell of a lot higher than that because look, the election for sure has a taint to it. And the longer that we don't get to the bottom of it and do recounts, I think the more the people are gonna be ticked off. Take a look at this, please. Uh, again, this is Rasmussen. 28% of Americans believe major problems in America result from uh, racism. And uh, it's an interesting number. It's an interesting question. I, I almost like 28% of Americans would believe anything. Uh, major problems in America could be blamed on um, SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, uh, but 28% say racism. Uh, John, thoughts? Well, I think a lot of that's because that's what the media tells them what to think. And 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 when you look at it, we did we did a poll recently for uh, Speaker Gingrich and 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 Gingrich 360, where over four to five Americans at an eight to one margin think of themselves more as an American than as a person of color, and and uh, 91 percent to five percent they agree with Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, that you should judge a person by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. So. 
and, and and this is a great country, and it's the greatest country on, on the earth. And and what we've got is we've got a lot of people trying to run us down, and all we got to do is have the courage and stand up for our values and what what, what we what we, who we, who we are as a country, and uh, uh, we'll be fine. We just can't let the uh, you know the left wing media and uh, propagandists uh, try to buffalo us uh, uh, in thinking that we're racist. This well, is a, this is the least racist country in the world. Here's something that they're trying to buffalo on us on. Uh, 9-11 and 1-6. January 6th of this year and September 11th are somehow uh, on the same level. That uh, George Will, the Republicans said that, the conservatives said that, that these were equal and shock to the system. This is offensive. This is ludicrous. 3,000 people were killed on 9-11. One, a Trump supporter was killed on uh, January 6th, but boy, oh boy, they're really trying to, they won't give up on January 6th, will they, Congressman? No, they won't. And I think the more they push on this and the more that they call everybody racist, I'm actually shocked that that number you showed was only 28% yeah. as much as the propaganda machine has been out there. And so they're not gonna let this die. The, the, the left doesn't wanna let this die. But the problem is, per usual, once the facts begin to, to come out, things don't look right. And I will say this, we still don't know, and these are basic questions that, that I've been asking. Tell me how many people actually carried a hammer, broke windows, or aided and abetted those people that destroyed federal property. Why won't you show us the videotapes? Republicans have yet to see the videotapes of what happened on January 6th. Why are they not showing us the videotapes, and why do we not know who broke the windows and damaged public property? Because I'll tell you, I am all for those people that broke those windows going to jail for a long time. But what I am not for is for people to be sitting in jail. Like I understand there's very few people reporting on this right now, but as I understand it, there are people sitting in jail right now who are, who are having their due process rights violated. And I've talked to a lot of people who said, hey, we didn't even know that we couldn't be in the Capitol. And I always have to remind people, it is your right as an American citizen to be in the US Capitol. Now, I can't help it that Pelosi is locking everybody out but it is the people's house. And I'm sure that a lot of people that marched there, the doors were wide open at the time after the people broke them and after some time when some of the doors were just wide open. But 80% of those people probably had no clue that they couldn't be there because on any normal day, an American citizen or, or, or anyone for that matter, you don't have to be an American citizen, you can walk into my office, walk right through the door and go get a tour of the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah, no, and there are people, like the Horns guy. The Horns guy is still in jail. He didn't break anything, and he didn't hurt anybody. He's still in jail. Can I ask you, Congressman, about Ashley Babbitt? Ashley Babbitt was an unarmed Trump supporter. Uh, she may have been breaking the law. She may have been trespassing, but she did not deserve to be shot that day. I heard no warning offered uh, by the officer who fired the, his weapon and killed her. And everybody seems to be just kind of uh, whatever, uh, very little interest in this. I'm still interested well, in it. The questions have not been answered. Well, I think that's uh, typically what you see. Uh, you see that all the time. Whenever, whenever it's a Republican who has a shooting incident of some kind, uh, all they do is call for new gun laws. However, or whenever somebody gets killed uh, by a police officer, all they do is say that, well, the police officer must have been racist. In this case, I just want to reiterate what I said right before, and that is we haven't even seen the videotapes. And we have committees in the House of Representatives. There should be no reason why, and I don't know the exact number. I'm told it's like 24,000 hours or something. I have no idea if that's correct. 
why don't the committees of jurisdiction where we, we have everything, why aren't they going through and looking at those videotapes? Why don't we have the name released of the police officer who shot this young lady who, you know, quite, quite frankly, it, it could have been justified, right? I mean, if, if we don't know. And that's, that's a problem. Here we are four or five months later, nobody knows, evidence is being suppressed, people are being locked in jail, and all we hear is the Democrats, oh, they want to have a 9-11 style commission. I say hell no to that. Congressman Nunes, you've been so brave and uh, such a leader on all these issues that where so few want to go. We thank you for that uh, for years now. And uh, John McLaughlin, I want to put up that poll number uh, finally as we go to break. Let's see here. 82 percent of Republicans will vote for Trump in 2024. That is quite a number. You know the president very well. What's he thinking right now? Well, I think he's thinking about getting the House back and stopping Pelosi and make it, you know, getting uh, Congressman Nunes back to be a, a chairman of a committee or in leadership because he's a hero to uh, most Americans. Absolutely. How about speaker? I think that sounds pretty good, too. Uh, I think so. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, by the way, Donald Trump will be on Newsmax tonight with Cortez and Pellegrino. It should be great. I'll be right back. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Tonight, Donald Trump, the interview with Steve Cortez. Yes, Steve Cortez, great host of Cortez and Pellegrino. President called me today and said, Greg, I got to do this. You know I love you, but I got to do this. <laughs> Just kidding. He and Steve go way back. You know, they work together, and this should be great, great stuff. All right, we'll see you tonight at 9. Everybody, have a great night. Enjoy that, and I'll be back tomorrow. Stinchfield is next.